Hi everyone. So we have a really exciting interview lined up. This is with Chrissy Beth Hubbard, who is my wife, my business partner in Shambhala, and the mother of our beautiful baby girl, Bertie Sky. We've broken this into a two-part series, so this episode is going to be part one of two. I'll see you in the episode. So the big question is this, how do we live in more sustainable and regenerative ways? How can we tap into the ancient secrets of living in harmony with the sacred nature of life? How do we embody the interconnected web of life that thrives in abundance within each of us? That is the question, and this podcast will explore the answers. My name is Craig Hubbard, and welcome to Shambhala Living. Hi everyone and welcome back to the Shambhala Living Podcast. Today we have a very, very special guest on the show. This guest is a long-time yoga teacher with over 10, actually over 15 years of full-time yoga teaching experience. She's the creator of the Yoga Shala at the Shambhala Farm. She hosts regular women's circles and teaches people how to connect back to their heart. She's the host of the Heart Wide Open podcast and she's the mother of my beautiful baby girl, Bertie Skye. And of course, she is my wonderful, loving wife. I'm so excited to have you here. Please welcome Chrissy Beth Hubbard. Wow. <laughs> welcome, darling. Thank you. Welcome what to, an intro. <laughs> <laughs> welcome to your lounge room. Yes. We're sitting here by the fire. It's nighttime. Birdie's asleep. Yeah, so it's quiet. <laughs> I one little window. And we're having a, a chat. A, um... Yeah, thanks for having me as your first guest. I'm honored and excited and a little bit nervous at the same time. <laughs> well, the first guest was, of course, uh, I wanted it to be Chrissy because we talked about doing a, a co-host of this Shambhala Living podcast. I have dreams for for that to happen, but at this time, Chrissy's got enough on her plate um, taking on the hosting of this podcast, but um, I look forward to how it evolves in the future. So this conversation, this first interview, is to get a, a picture of who, who Chrissy is, what's her involvement in Shambhala, and a big part of Shambhala living to me is living from the heart space and when I first met Chrissy that was something that was just so prevalent it was her singing it was this energy that was in her joy in her just her presence in her way of living and that lit up this fire within me of like that's what truly living from our heart is so Chrissy resonates that and lives that every day the vulnerabilities of that and I'm constantly learning and being inspired by her and by you darling and I and I'd love to let those that don't know about you know a bit more about you so I'm gonna hand over to you and ask if you could just tell us a little bit of a backstory like before we met what we're doing Mm. you know yeah okay well thank you for all your lovely words (laughs) yeah so a backstory if we start we won't go too far back because we could be here for hours before we met i was living in brisbane so i'm originally from the states i grew up in the midwest part of america and 
kids. My family now lives in beautiful San Diego. I moved here, or I moved to Australia, it's over 10 years now, and I moved to Brisbane. And so before we met, I was living in Brisbane, living more of like the city life, if you will. <laughs> and I had a beautiful little apartment that I loved. And I was in a really beautiful space for myself. I had been married and divorced. So when I originally moved to Australia, I moved to be with my ex-husband and he was a lovely person, but that didn't, wasn't meant to continue on. So we were separated and divorced and I was then really on this massive path of like, whoa, what am I doing with my life and self-discovery and I knew I wanted to stay in Australia because it was truly feeling like more and more it was my home. I was in throes of just learning about me <laughs> and not just about me but about yoga and just teaching a lot like a lot of classes I was my life was about teaching and because I didn't have you know a family a partner kids I was very free to do what I wanted yeah. to do so I was in like a and, and you were, you were full-time teaching at this stage, yeah? Yes, full-time. So it was like, it can be challenging to make a living teaching yoga, but I was doing that. And How many classes a week were you teaching? Like it would go up and down, but it was at that time, I was in my element, I would say, really had discovered another style of yoga and was teaching more of a freestyle of vinyasa after being in kind of more of a strict style of yoga for many years and I was loving it and I was just, I was in some studios that were letting me kind of just do what I wanted to do, which was really lovely and I just was experimenting and I had such beautiful students that were kind of like along for the ride. Like they were all just like, do let's do it together and we were all just learning a lot about ourselves and opening our hearts. So sometimes I would teach two or three classes a day and I would have, sometimes I would have Sunday off, but I think I ended up always teaching a Sunday morning class because there was enough people that wanted to do that. So I was in growing mode and self-exploration mode, which is a beautiful place to be, but also really confronting. And especially, you know, when I was in my 30s, yeah, it was a really interesting time because I would have, you know, in the society at that point, a woman in her 30s is probably expected to, you know, be popping out a few kids by then. <laughs> <laughs> and I was just like a single lady, you know, just like really actually enjoying being with myself. And I think it was, I had to go through that and I had to really learn to love myself and just learn to love being, being with myself. And it sounds really cheesy, but that whole self-love thing is really it's a real thing because then that's, I think that's what led me to meeting you and being open to meeting my true life partner um, and all of the relationships and all of the trials and tribulations and things I went through, I had to go through to be able to better myself, to be set up to have a partnership with you and to really open to, to the love that we have. From what I understand back then you were, you were already teaching workshops on coming back to your heart is yeah. that right? Yeah yeah I was like just naturally the theme when I started to teach more of a 
freestyle of yoga, vinyasa, it was like I, it was like it tapped into this other side of myself and my calling of like, just my passion of my own experience and my heartbreak. You know, going having going through divorce is one of the hardest things, and it broke me in a way. You know, I first had to break break my heart to really like open it back up again, and and it, it was beautiful. So I, I mean, it wasn't always beautiful. It was quite. <laughs> terrible times. Uh, it was quite dark at times, but that's how I came to this beautiful light. Yeah, I was really starting to teach this in my classes, and I, I think my classes ended up always coming back to this theme of opening the heart and lots of you know beautiful mm. backbends and heart openers. And yeah, so I remember doing like there was a Valentine's Day, and I was like, we need to do a heart opening workshop on Valentine's Day, you know. And don't worry about you know being with a partner; just it's about loving yourself. And it was really really yeah. beautiful. So yeah. There was some of that happening in my life already. And that just was a, yeah, it was definitely a theme that started to weave itself through everything that I was offering. Yeah. I remember when we did meet and I'd been through a heartbreak mm. and I remember the, the, the pain of that, but also every, like the depth of compassion for myself and for mm. life and, and really, I really understand standing at a visceral level the the um the the joy or or, or kind of more understanding compassion f the difference where it's kind of like laced with sadness but mm. but it's deep and mm. and i remember when we first met realizing that i i wanted to be with someone that had been through that mm. like because that it's such a a major growth thing mm. um to mm. have a and and I and you had seemed like you had been through that. Was that one of the contributing factors that kind of led you to to be on this journey of of living from your heart and being so vulnerable, or were you always like mm. that? Yeah, I think I've always been a a heart on my sleeve kind of gal. I think I haven't really ever. You know, even being little, I remember feeling everything so deeply. It's a tough one sometimes because you can be told you're a bit too emotional or you're too sensitive. And that's something that I've really learned to actually describe as like one of my superpowers is to be so emotionally tapped into others. But it yeah. also comes with learning about how to have boundaries <laughs> yeah. for myself. And yeah, but I've always just, yeah, I've always been a super feeler. And as you know, I'm a super feeler and I love that about myself now, but it used to really be hard because mm. I was like, what's wrong with me? Like I'd watch a movie or something. I remember being little watching movies and just like crying and crying about this character and some, and it was just like this empathic coming out of me and, oh, this can't be right. It doesn't look like everyone else is this way. But now I know lots of people like that. And um, also hopefully maybe we're more open to the fact that that's, that we should let our emotions out and that we should be tapped into our feelings and we should feel this freedom to express and starting from a young age. So I think that I've always been a, a, a vulnerable sharer, <laughs> but it's been definitely more recent years, especially since the yoga, that I've been op really openly sharing. And then as I became more of a a teacher that wanted to share because I realized I found the power of sharing myself was what would open others up. Would like, it was mm. like I would share stories in my classes about myself and they'd be like, you know, 
full on, sometimes vulnerable yep. heart shares and um, stuff where I'd be like, oh, did I just say that? <laughs> Is this awkward for people? But then it'd be then that people would come up to me after and be like, wow, I really, I've been to the same thing or I'm so happy you shared this because I, and it would just, when you open up, it encourages other people to be open about, yep. you know, their own emotions with themselves, let alone with others. So I think. And why, in your words, is it so important to live with an open heart? It's super, super normal. We go through our lives and we go through heartache, as you've experienced, and we go through, even as kids, you know, we go through people putting us down, getting bullied, even our families not understanding us, kind of getting shut down. That's heartache. And we slowly start to, and we're also taught, I think, unfortunately, we slowly start to once we go through enough of that, we start to put up these barriers and walls. And I think of it as always this big, I see an armor, a piece of armor. And it's like, as you get older and you go through more heartache, you can feel the armor gets bigger and bigger. And it's like, and you meet people, right, that have this big armor and you can't even like get through to like, where's that, you know, where's the emotion? And I feel so much compassion for them. And it's because we, we have, we feel we need to protect. So I think what I've found is that the more I let go of my armor and the more that I've started to like, you know, kind of chip away at it, the more I can let in this beautiful love and the more I can let in joy and abundance and all that we are, I think, designed to have while we're here in this life. And when we cut ourselves off from pain, which is totally a normal reaction. So we cut ourselves off from any pain, heartache, future pain. But I think we really, really start to cut ourselves off from the love that we are meant to be able to express and also receive. Mm. I think we just cut ourselves off from receiving so much that yeah. we are meant to receive in this life. And that's how I felt. Like it was like, definitely I feel, I can see times in my life when I've put up lots of armor and not been open to things as opposed to my life now where I've really opened to receive into abundance and to this beautiful life that I've now co-create with you. And your experience of having the, the armor and the protection and maybe, maybe seemingly endure more or compared to being vulnerable, open, exposed, how do those two compare like what and like would you recommend it to people to to get vulnerable and because that's it's a scary concept to get mm. vulnerable mm. but is the payoff worth it like is the oh, for sure 100 percent. i don't think there's any other way to be but I'm, i understand that that mm. for others that to start tapping into that it can be really confusing and hard to understand what or to start just on that sorry uh to go back one of the other more pow powerful things, not just opening to receive is one, but I think also there's, we have, each of us has this inner wisdom. And one of my favorite teachers would call it the heart compass. So I like to say heart compass as well. I think that when we are closed off, we really cut ourselves off from what is our path. And yeah. even on daily like tasks or as we go about our day, it's like, you know, we have this intuition and if we are really closing ourselves off and kind of constantly having this armor up, 
our intuition is really, we can't hear, you know, we just can't hear as well. So I think that's another really mm. powerful reason to start to think about staying more open, to connect into our heart space. Because once we do that, we, I think, start to feel into this intuition that we each have. And yours is different than mine, and you'll probably hear it differently than I would. But that's something that's really powerful for me now. Like yeah. I have a very strong connection to my inner wisdom. I feel very viscerally, and that's just how I'm built. Not everyone will probably feel it that way, but I, I feel it in my body. Mm. But that didn't, was not always the case yeah. <laughs> at all. <laughs> and there's, from what I understand, with the science of, of things like heart math and that the, the brain is sending the heart and the rest of the body, you know, trillions or, or mm. lots of respons uh, responses and, and stimuli, but I understand that the heart is sending even more mm. back and, re and receiving at a much larger um, energetic mm. field. Mm. And, and that really has tapped into something in me. And I remember when I came across you in Bali and you were talking about heart and, and I'd gone through yeah, a heart break and what it felt like was this big excavation of my mm. heart and, that, and it, the depth that I was excavating like I was feeling the pain and then there was this one moment I remember standing on the beach at sunshine and I was like I, I was doing the like some of the final excavation of like of grief and and I you know I'd find more sludge or, and more like pain and mm. and every time it just felt like this huge chasm and then one day it just hit me I think it was a, it was because I was there at sunrise and I was lit up by the sun and and then I, re I realized that wow the chasm the depth of the chasm is now the depth that it can be filled with love where whereas mm. before it was really shallow and it was mm. it and now it was this um, way more capacity to then live mm. And mm. when I started to hear the, the Shambhala teachings and some of the other uh, things in yoga that I was learning that about from a, from a male perspective and be a warrior and be warriorship, it felt like we had to have like more protection in front of us. Mm. But what was being told in both these ancient lineages was actually to be a real warrior was to actually not have shields in front of our heart mm. to be exposed and be mm. open and I I didn't understand it for a, for a long time but on that beach being fully exposed and open and raw and having this huge chasm actually meant wow that's not a chasm it's a reservoir and now I can fill it up with sunrises and nature and love mm. and and when you were just saying then about like tapping into that intuition and that ear and it's interesting that that in the word heart is the word ear and, mm. and also the word earth and yeah. and what's your take on the the heart being the the energetic center of you know connecting to the earth or mm. connecting to the universe for that matter like what's your understanding or take or intuition feelings mm. well i reckon for me, um, when I say reckon, I feel like I'm really, I'm really becoming a part of this country. <laughs> <laughs> I reckon I'm Australian. For me, 
moving up here to the Sunshine Coast, so when I was living in the city and doing all of my classes and exploration, it was a beautiful time, right? It was such a powerful time for me. But then I wouldn't have as much... I was aware of connecting to nature. I was aware of connecting into Mother Nature and how important it was. And I would try and take little trips and like get myself in my car and drive away from the city and go to a little Airbnb sometimes by myself. And that became a little bit more important as I realized I needed to like kind of, you know, have some boundaries around my, because I was giving so much during my teaching. And I'd be really spent <laughs> and be like, wait, I think I need to get out of here. And then moving up here onto the farm, this beautiful land on the Sunshine Coast, where we live, surrounded by all the trees and the birds. And it was really, it was quite amazing. Like I, it was actually a little bit challenging when I first moved up here because I was so not used to being in such a beautiful nature place, <laughs> which sounds... I was living truly like in the city, you know, on that busy road and with lots of people around and noise and I was used to that. And I would teach in buildings and surrounded by walls and, and I was used to that. So coming here and being in this open, fresh air and it's, yeah, I'm, I'm even more, I know that I'm even more connected to, it's hard to say what it is, like some people would say God and universe and it's whatever you want to say but definitely more connected to source energy and to myself because I can walk outside and and I'm so aware more and more I'm here the more I'm aware of like every little bird that sings <laughs> you know we have our bird friends that Birdie and I like listen for and and so much more aware of the beauty that surrounds me, of all the detail. Whereas when I first got here, it was just like, yeah, nature is beautiful. <laughs> but now I'm to see it so much more. And I do feel that when we tap into connecting to the earth, and that could be, you can be in the city and you can still do this. It's important to just go outside and get some fresh air and breathe in fresh air for even like five minutes. Or if you can stand barefoot on a patch of grass, it's things like this that, because we are so connected to Mother Earth, that I think it can, again, it's almost like giving us more of that supercharged power to then be connected to our, what our next purpose is, the yeah. next thing we should do um, if we're in the right place, yeah. So you're a, a mama now to yeah. a, how old is Birdie now? 13, 13 months. 13 months? Yeah, yeah, almost 14 months. So what does tapping back into your heart space, to your connection to this, this thing, this God, love, the universe, divine, whatever you might call it, mm. what does that look like for you now? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's really different now. I think I'm still figuring it out. It still feels sometimes new. I mean, because it's still considering how long I was without a child and now having a child. It's definitely still really new. And I'm still understanding, I'm still working out what it looks like. I think it will always change because she's always changing and our relationship's always changing. And now it's interesting, it has shifted a bit. So the first year, as you know, pretty much all of my energy and all of my superpower has gone into raising Birdie and to just being there for her. 
and also transitioning into my new role and to this new version of me, which is a really, really powerful part of becoming a mother and a really can be challenging time. And it's something that's not always talked about, like the baby arrives and everyone's like, oh, the baby's here. And it's kind of like, we don't, you know, remember the mother. So it's been a really, but I've been had a lot of support thanks to you. And even though it's been hard times since we're in the midst of COVID and my family is in America and they have yet to meet um, Birdie, which is really hard sometimes. But I have, we have a beautiful community of friends, which <coughs> has been really helpful as I made this transition, but I'm not answering your question. Sorry, I'm going off on a tangent. So basically, right now, I'm in the midst of trying to meditate every day yep. <laughs> because I feel that it's a really powerful part of connecting in to ourselves and our hearts. And I know that, but I've really found it challenging the first year to make that a part of my daily practice. But it's only been in this probably since she's turned one, I would say that I've felt myself being able to open to some more of time for myself. So yeah, so definitely it looks like spending some time in meditation, but also for me, moving my body is really important. So I'm trying to go to yoga at the shala, um, but I also just try and move, like even in the morning, I try to do at least a couple sun salutes. Birdie might do some yoga with me. We have dance parties, which really helps me stay connected, like any movement in my body is really powerful. I highly recommend that if you're someone that feels like you don't have time to move, just like stick your favorite song on and just move. It doesn't matter what you look like, just move. It really kind of shakes out stagnant energy. And staying connected to other women that really support me and understand where I'm at in my life right now and that don't care that I sometimes really need to just cry or have a laugh. But I'm, I'm loving, I just, I love being a mother. I just never knew that I was gonna, I never knew if I would be a mom for a long time. And now it's just, it really, it does bring me so much joy. But I can feel that it's really important that I also do other things. Like it's, yeah. it's kind of like just opening into that though. Like the first year it was like, nah, it's just about birdie. And that was good, and that was exactly how it was supposed to be. But I can feel now, it's like, okay, I'm ready to, cre I feel like I have more creation to come out. And Speaking of creation, mm. so a, a month or so after Birdie was born, and you were, you were in the room a lot, mm. feeding. <laughs> Just being in the bed, which was beautiful. You, you launched the Heart yeah. Wide Open podcast. You yeah, know? with your <laughs> nudging and help. <laughs> Do you want to tell us a little bit about the intention yeah. of that? Yeah, I, because I, when I was teaching, it was a, a beautiful outlet for me to speak what was on my heart. I think it was just this beautiful outlet of letting source energy come through and letting whatever inspiration come through and to speak it out loud to people and share. Because sharing is something that is... A part of me. I'll go sometimes a little while without sharing and I can feel there's this buildup comes through and it's like oh I have to share all the things and I'm sure some people might say it's a bit of overshare sometimes if you look at my <laughs> social media platform as I am not afraid to say what's on my heart. I didn't have the teaching anymore because I was you know being full-time mom with Birdie and I think it was something we chatted about and you kind of helped support me to say no this is definitely possible that you share on this other platform, you know. 
and that's yeah so it was it ended up being very much about that time it's about Mm. that time of my life with Birdie and so it's kind of just talking about you know even my birth experience with her my birth birth story I share and and just the struggle of breastfeeding just different different things that we're going through but I also share about experiences before before Birdie as well on the podcast so yeah no that was a fun it's a, a beautiful way to express mm. different things that are happening or have happened in your life. and So we're kind of jumping around the, oh. the timeline a little bit, but it's nice to just get some perspective of, you know, back before um, meeting and, and then also now with Birdie mm. and what's really, yeah. like, taking your focus and, mm. and your, your future direction. Like, what is it that lights you up at the moment? What are the, the things that are lighting you up now and yeah. you can see that the horizon, there's lights on the horizon for some things? So we're going to take a short break there. That concludes part one of this interview and then we'll come back in part two and we're going to find out what it is that lights Chrissy up and we'll continue on with the interview. So I'll see you in the next episode. Hey everyone, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Shambhala Living Podcast. If you enjoyed it, then I'd love it if you would share it with some friends and subscribe to this channel and turn on notifications so you can find out when the next podcast comes out. You can find us at Instagram at Shambhala Farm and also check out our upcoming 12-week food growing course. You can find out more details on our newsletter list or on Instagram. I'll see you on the next episode.